This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, everybody was treated to a fantastic salvo between the Rush and the Swarm in Game 1 of the Champions Cup Final. Rush head coach Derek Keenan would love to see his team cut out the unforced errors, while his good friend and counterpart Eddie Como isn't thinking too far ahead. And while we look towards Game 2, there will be a new crew calling the action. All that and more on OTCB. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. What is going on, everybody? My name is Teddy Jenner. Thank you for stopping by as we get you set for Game 2 Saturday of the National Lacrosse League Champions Cup Final. The Georgia Swarm are a win away from their first title in franchise history, while the Rush lost their first playoff game since they were in Edmonton and it was game two of the West Finals when they lost to Calgary 12-9. Crazy things going on in the deep south of Georgia. Ludacris played. There was 7,000 plus fans in Georgia. It was rocking. It was an incredible matchup. Back and forth all game long. As always, a game of runs. And the Swarm are now a victory away from lifting the Champions Cup. Crazy. If you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Both coaches will stop by and have a chat with me today on the show. Uh, we'll start with Derek Keenan, followed by his good buddy Eddie Como. Uh, their relationship goes back years and years and years. Of course, both guys were brought into the coaching system of the National Lacrosse League by the late, great Les Bartley. And when talking to both of them, both seem pretty confident. Keenan, on one hand, is confident because it's very rare for his team to lose two games in a row. And he feels that his team will have a bounce-back effort after giving 18 up for the second time in two games against the Swarm. And Como is confident because his team isn't you know, worried about the nerves of the situation. They're not getting too caught up in the hype of this Champions Cup, even though they're the less NLL playoff-experienced team. There are a group of players that have played for many titles over many years, and this big big stage hasn't gotten the best of them. So I think we're going to be in for another fantastic matchup in Saskatoon on Saturday night. If you are in the area, you better get your tickets quick. They are going fast. And if you are a Swarm fan, maybe make the trip. Or hope your team wins. Or... Hope you get a game three. Because a game three would be bonkers. Especially down in Georgia where, like I said, they had their biggest crowd since moving to the south. And maybe, maybe, a lot of those fans were just there to see Ludacris. Maybe. Regardless, there were 7,000 people there. And they were into it all game, cheering, chanting, dancing, heckling, whatever you want. And it can only get better. So if there does happen to be a game three, I would expect that crowd to be even bigger than it was for game one. You know it's going to be a massive crowd for game two in Saskatchewan. It is going to be loud. It is going to be raucous. And I think you are going to see a much better Saskatchewan Rush Club. But let's go back and kind of look into that game. Game one of the National Lacrosse League Champions Cup final between the Rush and the Swarm. It was, like I said, um, a back and forth game. Georgia got on the board quickly with two goals from Matisse 
and stats just 30 seconds apart, two and a half minutes into the game. Then the rush went on a two-goal run, and the first quarter with end was Saskatchewan up 4-3. Saskatchewan would take the lead into the half, 9-7, and then build that lead to 11-7, seven minutes in to the third quarter. But that's when it all changed. Jordan Hall, Kyle Matisse, and then back-to-back goals by Shane Jackson, all in the span of five and a half minutes, gave us a tie game heading into the four, tied at 11. And the rush would only score three more goals as Georgia would go on an 11-3 run after that Adam Jones goal in the power play, seven minutes and 18 seconds into the third quarter. I tweeted this out while that game was going on, and I said, I had never seen the rush dominated in the second half that they were in game one of the finals. You just don't see that from this rush group. You never see them kind of on the back foot. You never see them, the team, chasing the game. And the way Georgia was playing, um, their defense picked up the pressure. Their offense was getting multiple resets. Mike Poulin was just fantastic. And there were times, and Derek Keenan will allude to this, that his team may have gotten caught up in the moment and stopped playing their game. Their caused turnovers, or their turnover story, they had 28 turnovers. Now, Georgia also had 27, but a lot of those 28 turnovers that Saskatchewan had were unforced. Just bad plays in transition by their back-end guys or passes that just sailed over guys' heads or ran awry or forcing passes into spaces. And that's usually not what we see from this club. And I think a lot of that had to do with them having to chase the game. They all felt that they needed to make that big play to get their team back into it. And that wasn't the case at all because they were in that game. They had a four-goal lead at 11-7. But then it slowly started to go downhill. And when you make mistakes in transition, when you turn the ball over and give the Swarm multiple offensive sets, it's going to be a tough matchup. Because the Swarm will bury you, as they did to the Rush, if you give them those kind of chances. If you take away the empty netter scored by Brian Cole with a minute left or so, the Rush didn't score an extra man goal the entire game. The Rush had... Um, four power play goals. They were four for four on the power play. They had a shorthanded goal. They had a couple extra man goals. But that was about it. They just, you know, when I say, and that was about it, they had 14 goals. That's usually good enough to win in this league. But for the second time in two games, the Swarm put up 18. No other team did that to the rush this year. And a lot of people, myself included, didn't think it would happen because the first time it happened, the Rush were a shell of the team that they are now. But I think it goes to show that this Georgia Swarm team is for real. And I think when it comes to game two, I don't think they're going to get caught up in the emotions of the night. It's very possible that they could, and nobody could blame them. Because when you're in that situation and you never understand what that feeling is until you're on the brink of winning a championship, of the excitement and the nerves and the energy that goes through your body and pulses through your veins about the prospects of winning a championship. But I think the best part And this goes to the character of the Swarm roster. 
and it goes to the leadership group of that team, that they're going to be able to keep an even keel. They're not going to get too high. They're not going to get too low. And that's what we saw in game one. Yeah, great. They got off to a great start, but quickly, boom, they're down 4-3. They go down 11-7. Could easily have folded the tents, and the rush could have walked away with that game. But Mike Poulin stepped up, made some saves. Jordan Hall became the quarterback that we all thought he was going to be for that offense. And the guys that they brought in to help be veteran presences on this club really stepped up, showed their mettle, and proved why they were two of the hottest commodities out there and two of the biggest acquisitions made by John Arlotta and Eddie Como. So even though the Champions Cup will be in the building and all those guys would have every right you know, to be excited about the prospects of winning it. And, you know, maybe having an extra camera in the bag, um, a pair of goggles, you know, all those celebratory things that you want to have just in case you win. Those thoughts won't be at the front of their mind. It'll be that first shift, that first hit, that first ground ball, that first goal. And then once all that happens and all the pomp and circumstances is gone, the boys will be able to get down to playing lacrosse and we'll see them settle in and it'll be once again a fantastic lacrosse game and expect a track meet. Now, I don't know if we'll see 32 goals again, but it wouldn't surprise me with these offenses. Likewise, with both of these defenses and both goaltenders capable of putting out ridiculously low numbers, It wouldn't surprise me if it was a defensive battle. But I think we are going to be set up for a really, really good lacrosse game. What's going to be interesting will be if there's any discipline towards Jordan McIntosh. Uh, He was called for two penalties in that game, one an illegal cross-check and one in a high-sticking major. Um, and I believe they were both on Mike Messenger. can't remember the second one. But I think they were both to the face of Mike Messenger. And it'll be interesting to see what Brian Lemon does um, if he look, when he looks at the gameplay and to see if there is any supplemental discipline given towards McIntosh. I don't think there will be. Um... The the one where he got his two hands up in the face of the rush player, and again, I can't remember who it was. I think that one was the more dangerous one, but you could actually see him let up. And he doesn't really follow through with his hands to the head. Um, he does hit him in square in the face mask, mask with his two gloves. There's no doubt about that. But when you go back and look at the footage, and if you can pull the game up on your computer while you're listening to this, just go to the 210 mark or just before... Uh, and they're showing the replay. And it's Brett Mitski who he actually hits. And the shot goes off. It hits the backboards. It comes up in the air. McIntosh is going towards it. He sees, sees Mitski going for it. And just like Chuck Zeno and Brian Sokot said, it's really weird why McIntosh is actually going like that for the ball because he could have actually made a play on it. But for some reason, his two hands are together. And his arms are pretty much already outstretched when he hits Midski right in the face mask. The Rush would score in the six on five. They would score on the ensuing five-minute major. But I don't know if that major needs or warrants a major, sorry, a match um, or any supplemental discipline. Uh, Jordan McIntosh isn't a dirty player. He isn't a vicious player. He wasn't out headhunting, and the two calls that he got, really, the hit on Messenger in the third quarter seemed to me more dangerous than the shot on Midski. But I don't think we'll see anything come of it. I, If anything, maybe they rescind the major to just a two-minute high stick, but I don't think they'll do that. 
um, or an illegal cross-check. But, it's, again, his hands were together, hits Mitski in the face. Uh, my guess is it'll stay just as a major. Um, so don't expect any major incidences coming from that game. Um, from the league standpoint, uh, I think the league has to be extremely happy with everything that took place Sunday in Georgia. Um, from the crowd to the game on the floor to ludicrous to all the hype surrounding the game. I watched the game on the Twitter feed. I didn't use NLL TV. Um, I used the Twitter feed loop, and it was pretty much flawless. There were a couple times where the blue Twitter bird screen came up, but those lasted maybe three seconds at most. And there was only one occasion where we missed a goal because the producer just picked a bad time to go to a replay. Um, I thought it was a great broadcast from a visual standpoint. Uh, I, I just have always been a fan of the Georgia camera angles and the work that their producer does because he doesn't switch camera angles so quickly. Um, one of the issues that a lot of people have with, say, the New England broadcasts or even early days um, in this league for some of the newer franchises, you know, whoever was producing the game was constantly switching back and forth between the, as the play was going on, and, and you kept on missing the ball or it was just bad angles. The guy in Georgia just would keep it on one angle for an entire set. And then once it, you know, a loose ball or the play changed, then he would change it. And and that's, it may sound weird, but that stuff's really cool to me. When a producer gets it, because, and I've said this before, lacrosse oftentimes doesn't translate well on TV because the game is so quickly and because we don't have producers running the game that can actually show the game to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, to highlight um, the best parts of the game. And when you're constantly changing camera angles from a side angle to a corner angle to a high angle from behind, whatever it may be, you just lose the flow of the game. And while it's not always the best, you know, sometimes two camera systems are the best because one will just follow, focus on the play, and then one is used for replays. And you can just keep the main camera on the action, nice and high, nice and wide, and you can see anything. So, or sorry, see everything. And I think a lot of people will probably enjoyed that game watching it. Now, listening to it was another story, as Chuck Zeno and Brian Silcott had a couple bumbles. A few Edmonton bombs were dropped. Uh, a few mistakes in name pronunciations. And those things usually really, really annoy me. And I get frustrated. I know a lot of people were. Especially the name thing. Like players' names. Like even I've said Edmonton every once in a while. Like I get it. It happens. It might have happened a few too many times in the broadcast. But. The mispronunciation of names is the one thing that's always gotten to me. And I will, when I was a kid and I was going to boarding school in Ohio, I used, we had a teacher and I always used to make fun of his name and I always pronounced his name wrong. And he said, and I will always cherish this information. He said, my name is my legacy and it is who I am. I would appreciate it if you pronounce my name properly. And from that point on, I always made sure that I got guys' names right. And, yeah, there's some tough ones out there. But the job and the role of a broadcaster is to make sure you have those names right. Most teams have a phonetic pronunciation guide, and even sometimes those are kind of off. It's all where you put the influx and all that stuff. But if you don't know a name, go ask somebody. Because on this type of stage, there is no excuse for pronouncing Midsky wrong or Rubish wrong or not knowing rules. You gotta be better. Gotta be better. Um, I'm gonna talk about broadcasters um, for game two after, but we've gotta get to some things first. Um, Derek Keenan, head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush. Um, you know, this is the first game they've lost in a while in the playoffs. Um, dating back to 2015 when they lost game two uh, of the West semi or the West finals, they had to play that mini game against Calgary where they won 4 1. 
en route to their first Champions Cup final. And, sorry, their first Champions Cup, their second final. And when I caught up with Derek, you know, he was still pretty positive and upbeat. And I can't blame him. They're, they're only down one game. Sure, their backs are now against the wall. They got to win two straight. Um, they got to beat a team they haven't beaten this year. But now they've gotten two looks at the Swarm. Um, they understand what they're going to bring. They can look at some great film because the Swarm threw a lot at them. And so when I did catch up with them, I asked them, what was the difference between the first and second halves? I thought we we played really, really well in spurts. And, yeah. and, and honestly, there was probably an eight- or nine-minute stretch between the end of the third and beginning of the fourth, well, maybe, uh, well, I mean, we're up 14, or sorry, uh, 11-7. They scored right. to make it 11-8 with 6-0-8 to go. So at that point, I thought we really had things in control. And then we, uh, for whatever reason, uncharacteristically, we turned the ball over a lot, many, many times with, but not even forced turnovers. And, yeah. and you know, they're, yeah. they're good at it. Like, Lyle's good at that, and but we avoided that, but we just made unforced turnovers. And I think we had 28 or 29 in the game. And I think 22 or 23 of them were unforced, just mm-hmm. mainly from the back end, a few in the offensive zone that really were, I thought tremendous scoring chances in the two man game where we just didn't make good plays and yeah. uh, ended up being turnovers. And, and, you know, you give that team who are, you know, multi-talented, and skilled and athletic, you give them extra possessions and, uh, it, and it hurts you. And, you know, then we had some, you know, Jeremy and Meston you know, jump on face-offs where mm-hmm. when they were on the run, especially, and, you know, that's another possession that you don't want to give up and, you know, let's make it a 50, 50 battle and, and, uh, and play five on five. And, and, you know, statistically speaking, I don't recall us ever giving up 15 five-on-five goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, like 15. Like, I just – and a lot of it was because I think once we got into that sort of unforced turnover game, we played a lot of defense. And yeah, after our guys got and, – and I think at, at 11-7, we had them in the position yeah. where they were gassed. I think yeah. their offensive guys were gassed because they were chasing us a lot. We were creating turnovers. Um, we, we trapped Lyle numerous times on defense and, and he was tired, but then we just kind of, we, we, we started making some errors and, uh, um, you know, right from goaltending on out, we made some mistakes and, and that'll be corrected. And, um, you know, we, it's our first playoff loss in 10 games, I think. So yeah. sometimes it's not a bad thing. You know, we, we're not a team that very often loses two in a row. Um, so we feel good about going into next weekend. What do you attribute that that sort of uncharacteristic spurt of their turnovers? Is it just mental? Is it just overconfidence? Was it their play? Was it a combination? Yeah, maybe a combination, but I think a little bit of a microcosm of our season. Like we've right. been not been as consistent this year from uh, in all areas of our game that we've been the past two or three years in terms of defensively transition um, that, you know, those things that we've really, we've been just so solid over the course of, you know, three, maybe even four seasons that this year we've been a little bit inconsistent. And I think it showed up again um, in a big way uh, on the weekend, especially in the second half. So, um, but then there's also been, there's been times this year where we've been, you know, excellent for long stretches of time. And I think, I think the Colorado series was a good example of that where yeah. I mean, we just we just played consistently and we were good defensively. We didn't turn the ball over a lot. We were disciplined. We didn't spend a lot of time in the penalty box. And and we didn't need it the other night either, which is great because mm-hmm. it kind of was hurting us earlier in the year. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, 15 to 4 outscored 5 on 5 is not really our team. No, <laughs> not at all. You know, and, and I think – and I think Georgia are of the same mindset. They'd rather play five on five, as would we. And right. we just got to be better. That's for sure. As this series goes on, now you get to go back to Saskatoon. But does it worry you that in the two games you've played this club, you guys have given up 18 the most out of any team that you've played? Yeah. 
Yeah. I've been sitting here for two days figuring out. I've been sitting here for two days figuring out how to keep it under eighteen. Yeah. Um, not. Re- I mean, you know what? It's whether it's eighteen or thirteen or. Yeah. The bottom line is we lost, and um, we don't very often give up that many. I think. I think. On, I think it's really coincidence that we gave up eighteen twice to them. I mean, mm-hmm. Obviously, earlier in the year we weren't very good. And no. Yeah. We were very good for two games earlier in the year, and then uh, we turned things around. And um, no, I, I think you know, you know, we started pressing a little bit late in the game. We gave up an empty netter and a couple others that we normally yeah. wouldn't. But um, uh, I, I just, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything to it other than other than the fact they're really good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah they're good. I mean, they're a really good team, and uh, I got nothing but respect for how they play and and how they're coached and. You know, Eddie and I think a lot the same way. It's just from our time spent together in Toronto years ago. And, uh, you know, they're, they're very good. And, uh, um, we just, we just, but you know what? I think we're pretty good too. So we just, oh, yeah, have to, we just, we just have to play better. You don't get to the finals, uh, three years straight without being a very good team. Um, you guys continue to, to press the situation. Your offense looked good. Like you said, your offense looked good at first, but there was times where, you know, Benny didn't score a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Dinsdale was kind of invisible. And you're, mm-hmm. you're a group that, that prides itself on getting the ball moving and cutters. And it seemed like it stuck in guys' sticks at, at points in that game. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think our right side didn't have their usual night mm-hmm. in terms of, um, being effective without the ball and also not committing and fully completing plays with the ball in terms of right. good picks, good rolls, going through the middle. We kind of played a little bit half-assed on that side, but yeah. I thought our lefts were really good. I thought we created a lot out of there. We had a lot of real good two-man game stuff, but then we got too cute a few times and ended up, you know, taking away scoring chances that really should have been layups and they weren't. Yeah. And yeah. So, so, you know, those things, but, but you know what though? I mean, do I worry about Benny Mack not scoring? No, because not at all. Yeah. he's going to, and he does so many other things that are good, but at the same time, that side has to be better. Um, you know, Marty, Marty got a couple of real good looks inside, which yeah. he usually does and on, on cuts and he didn't finish and, and that's okay. But, um, and, and just in general terms, you know, we need to be a little more balanced. Um, I thought our transition game was good mm-hmm. most of the time until we started forcing things a little bit. And yeah, and you know, Jeremy was really good. Um, and uh, and you know what? And defensively, just made some real uncharacteristic breakdowns on yeah. the defense. And mind you, a lot of it is they they're good. Like they yeah they they they're very very active with and without the ball. Um, they really play a good, you know, you, 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 they're, they're real good pick setters, but at other times they, they're slip pickers and you got to mm-hmm. be able to distinguish between the two. But the, 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 the most important thing for us is when we dictated tempo and we pressured them, yeah. we put them in a lot, we put them in a lot of trouble like we did. And we created turnovers. We were physical. We put guys on the floor, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't consistent yeah. enough. And I think it was because, we played too much defense with our turnovers. So um, I think that's kind of the key is we have to take care of the ball a little bit better. The, the one thing I thought this series was going to be was a bit of a chess match between you and, and Swarm head coach, Eddie Como. Obviously there's a, a good relationship between you two, but mm-hmm. um, is there, is there that sort of sense of a chess match of, of matchups and, and just trying to move pieces around, trying to get the edge? Well, I mean, we do things very similarly. <laughs> yeah. If you watch, yeah. if you watch even face-offs, you know, you'll notice that there's never ten guys in there fighting for the ball. There's always a whole guy in the line on each side. Yeah, and that's yeah. the way we kind of learn things from left. So those things, I think, I think Eddie likes a little bit more matchup defense than we do. We we play more just team defense and let's play um they they you know they play a little bit matchup but um not really i mean we uh we haven't seen a sneak play yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, true so uh 
and we kind of know each other on that one that it might happen, but I think we're both always looking at each other's dents. Yeah. <laughs> going, okay, is it coming? Yeah. But, uh, um, no, I mean, not really. I mean, I got just so much respect and, and yeah. love for Eddie. He's just a great guy. And, you know, we talk every week. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we'll talk this week though. <laughs> Radio silence. <laughs> yeah, we, we may not, but we usually, we usually during the season, we talk every week and, you know, we talked to going into the series just in terms of making sure everybody, both teams were comfortable with um, their setups going into yeah. each other's city and that in terms of logistics. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's all good. Uh, obviously, the momentum going back to, to your barn is huge and you get to play in front of uh, 15,000 or so in front of Saskatel. How important is it that you get this game at home uh, and be able to feed off that energy? Because it looked like, you know, for the first time, the Swarm had a crowd that they were able to feed off of. Yeah, their crowd was awesome. I mean, they, yeah. uh, um, it was really good. They were loud. And, you know, I, I think it gives us a little bit of extra. And, again, we we have to – and I think we've been real good at dealing with this over the last year and a half because our first couple games in Saskatoon, we, when we relocated there, we at times played outside of ourselves and tried to do too much. And now we're accustomed to it, and now we try to play within – our roles and our character and our system. And, and it, but at the same time, there's definitely a, a little bit of extra energy when we play at home. And, uh, I, you know, I think that will give us a lift. Um, and that, you know what though, I think for them, I'm sure they, they, I mean, I, I think teams like playing in our body. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, it's kind of like going to Colorado, you know, yeah. like we, our guys like playing in Colorado because the fans are great and it's just a, it's a great atmosphere. So it's, I think it's still always an advantage to the home team for that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, it's just, you know, when you get to this level, it's the best lacrosse in the world and you can play in a bunch of, in front of a bunch of loud and crazy fans and, and that are supporting you. Even the opposing team at times, you know, you can get a lift from it. So, but we got to play within ourselves still and, and stick to our plan and, uh, and but well, I think our guys will be ready. Any, like I said, we we've always bounced back from tough losses, and yeah. we don't very often lose two in a row. And uh, we get this one this weekend, and then the pressure changes a little bit. Is it is it nice to see you know at the end of the season the top two teams, as it were, in the finals together to to get a true showing of the best of the best? I think so. I, I I've always been a guy that believes in that. Like. Mm. You know, I look at the Stanley Cup Finals now and go, yeah, you know, great for Nashville, but there might have been a better team or two that should yeah. be there. And and I think without question, you're seeing the best two teams, you know, record-wise and just overall talent and uh, the way the teams have been built and and that it, it's great to see. And um, and that's no knock against the teams we've played the last couple of years either. Right, you know, Buffalo and Toronto yeah. both. Both, I mean, last last, I mean, the last two years we were in the final. Both teams we played, including, I mean, this year as well, had better records than us. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, there, there's no question. I mean, we're the only two teams with a record above 500, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. The parity <laughs> yeah, in the league is just unbelievable. But uh, certainly, I think you're seeing the best two teams, and and the quality of lacrosse is it's outstanding. And I, and I think that kind of goes to. I mean, you're looking at two pretty good defensive teams, you know, mm-hmm. like, and and there was a lot of goals. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. That's the so, uh Yeah, but, hey, you know what? Saturday could be 9-8. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't expect know. anything less, yeah. Um, yeah, before, like yeah. Before we let you go, uh, how excited are you for the Heritage Cup to be back? It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a great event, and, uh, you know, I'm glad to be a part of it again. Uh, I actually wasn't was on the staff the last time we had it, but it was at the time my wife was ill and right. I wasn't able to participate in the game. But um, it'll be fun and uh, you know mix it up again. We're playing the U.S. I love the fact the U.S. are really starting to bring in some good, real good young players and yeah. um, implementing the box game into their programs with U.S. Lacrosse. They've bought in now, and and you know for us, I mean it's just another opportunity to get together with the best of the best of Canadian players, so it'll be fun. There's head coach Derek Keenan, actually head coach and GM Derek Keenan of the Saskatchewan Rush, just talking um, about his team's play through that game and, and 
you know, the momentum that was there in that game for the taking for them, and they missed an opportunity in that third quarter where they had them down four goals, let them back in the game, and just kind of shot themselves in the foot with unforced error after unforced error after unforced error, and they just were unable to get that momentum back. But as Jammer said, this is a team that rarely loses two games in a row, and they'll be ready. You know, like I said, their backs are against the wall. They know the severity of what happens if they lose another game. That's not lost on this club. Um, It's also not lost on them that this is a position they haven't been in before. But I think when the chips are on the table and when that ball drops Saturday at Sastel Center, that we are going to see a much improved rush squad and we will see them put on a much better effort for 60 minutes. Again, they played for spurts of that game. They looked great, and the Swarm didn't. But far too often, it was the Swarm who looked like the better club, the club that was more seasoned in these types of games, and they were the ones that rose to the moment. But there's still a lot of lacrosse to be played. On the other side of the benches is Eddie Como, Derek Keenan's longtime friend and former running mate with the Toronto Rock. When I spoke with Eddie earlier in the day, he had just gotten off the phone with Brian Lemon from the league because they had to get their notes into the league to be reviewed. And while we couldn't really talk about that stuff because um, that's not public consumption quite yet, uh, we did talk quite a few things but we started our conversation with just a straight up ask of what he thought of that game after his team's win a very impressive 18-14 win over the two-time defending champs well I mean I, I think you know both coaches would you know probably be a little bit surprised at the uh, amount of goals I think uh, you know we were hoping to hold them to less and I know they were hoping to hold us to a lot less so you know I, I think you know, I think the offenses of both teams really, you know, showed. And I think, you know, our offense gets a lot of credit and their defense gets a lot of credit. And I think, you know, both the other side of the ball for each team, you know, their offense is clearly pretty good. And, you know, I think our defense is, you know, better than what people think. So, uh, yeah. you know, we're obviously happy with the win. And, uh, you know, it's always good to get one uh, under your belt. But, uh, you know, we know going back to, you know, Saskatchewan, uh, you know, not only are they, you know, they're a really good, proud team, but, you know, we know how good they are at home, and we know they'll be, uh, you know, they're they're not going to, you know, they're not going to lie down. They're going to come after us hard, and we're going to have to be, you know, m- more than ready. Did you notice any nerves from your guys? Obviously, this is a big stage that, you know, all but maybe four of your guys have never been on. Yeah, you know what? Uh, not, not at all. And, you know, we talked about that a lot, and, you know, you know, we lack NLL championship experience, but we a lot of guys have played in, you know, world championships, played in college championships, played in, you know, junior and, and senior championships. So, you know, you know, the experience, you know, might be different in the NLL. The game's a little different than some of those other games, but, uh, you know, the preparation and the, the mindset, you know, doesn't change whether you're playing for, you know, NLL championship or you're playing for a NCAA championship yeah. or main cap or Minto and, our guys just didn't, you know, I, I thought we, you know, really kept our composure, and especially when, you know, we were down, you know, by three goals once and four goals once, and, you know, we, we kept our composure. And I think, you know, these some of these guys are much, you know, wise, wiser beyond their years. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, that when you guys were down 11-7 uh, in that third quarter and, and the rush were on a bit of a run, what was the message to the team just to, to make sure they kept their composure and, and didn't get down on themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, basically it's that, you know, keep doing what we're doing. We were playing, you know, we were playing well, and, and you know, it, there wasn't huge corrections to make. Just, you know, keep going at them. And, you know, offensively, we you know, we scored seven five-on-five goals on, on Saskatchewan in the first half of the game. And, you know, we, you know that, that's, that's a pretty high number for them to give up in a full game, five-on-five mm-hmm. goals. And so, you know, we knew if we kept, you know, we kept at it. We'd get some good chances. And, you know, I thought Bold played really well at the start of the third. And, but, you know, Nick Cameron away. And defensively, 
you know, we really did a great job of shutting the door. And, you know, I think to win, you know, any game in this league, whether, you know, not, you know, not even a championship game, any game that, you know, you got to, you got to pitch a shutout for, you know, a fair period of time. And, you know, they did that for a while that allowed them to get a lead. And then, you know, we did that for, you know, I forget how many minutes I was told, but it was quite a while where we, I know Lyle is going to get all the praise and, and the talk for MVP um, in this year, just for everything that he's done for your club. But how important has Mike Poulin been to the success of the Swarm this year? Well, you know, Mike was, uh, you know, I, you know, you probably heard the story. Uh, and uh, you know, convincing how important he was uh, to his experience, his uh, play, but also his character. And you know, I think mm-hmm. you know those are things that have really, really shown through. You know, uh, a lot of goals in this league are kind of quiet goalies and play and, and you know don't necessarily are our leaders, but you know, Mike's leader, he's only quite a guy. A lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, it's really committed and focused to, to being his best and they're helping us win. And, yeah, he's been a huge, you know, huge part of it for us. And, and you know, we're fortunate to have him. And, and you know, we, again, he's he's been, you know, fit right in, very seamless transition for him to come into the swarm and, you know, huge, huge part of our success. Uh, obviously, Jeremy Thompson outscoring Miles and Miles wasn't sort of how you expe- expected things to go, but, um, you had some other contributions from guys up the offensive door. You know, Kyle Matisse really stepped up, and Shane Jackson was steady as always. But I love the play of Jordan Hall. Always have, always will. But, you know, he's a guy that's been in the big games before. And, and strange enough, Johnny Palace is probably your most experienced Champions Cup guy. But how important is the depth of your offense to the success for you guys going forward to game two? Well, I mean, I think you know one of one of the things about our offense, and you know, people people always say our, our offense is fun to watch, and we always kind of are saying, yeah, we, we like watching it too. It's kind of fun, and, <laughs> and and I think what what people like about it is the fact that you know there's no, you know, as good as Lyle is, like he, he's not you know predominantly holding the ball, and you could look around the league, and you know, there's a lot of teams where you know, the number one guy has, you know, has a pretty large percentage of the, the time with the ball in his stick. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't do that. And, by the way, Saskatchewan doesn't either. I mean, they're another team that really plays unselfish and the ball moves quickly, and it's it makes it tough to defend. And I yeah. think, uh, you know, it allows, uh, you know, the great thing about a style of offense like that is it allows us to be, you know, not only hard to defend, but on any given night, any one of our guys could – you know, go off for the type of night that Halsey had, and you know, mm-hmm. getting, getting five goals for us. So we're not, you know, you know, it, you know, uh, we've all seen teams, and I've coached teams where you rely on, you know, you need one guy that night, he's going to get, you know, four or five goals for you. You need it, you have to have it. You know what's going to happen, and uh, you know, we're not, you know, we 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 think, hey, this is how many goals we're going to get, and you know, who knows who's going to score them, but you know, we, we got a good feeling if we play our system that we're going to get those goals from someone's stick. And, and I think, again, Kyle Matisse, great example, and, you know, kind of often overlooked in our offense and, yeah. uh, you know, had three big goals. And, you know, I think I saw some stat this year that we had, you know, seven, you know, first time ever, seven 20 goal scorers on our, yeah. on, uh, in the NLL. And that's, you know, that, that just shows that how much we, uh, you know, we, we're not relying on any one person to, uh, to, to carry the load. I was speaking with Derek Keenan earlier and, and, and asked him about, you know, you guys have a, a fairly long-standing professional and, and, and personal friendship and relationship. Is there a bit of a chess match between you two guys uh, throughout the series? I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I think we, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, in, in a lot of ways we have similar styles and we came up with, you know, coaching with, uh, with less, uh, less partly, you know, and, and so a lot of the stuff we do is, is based on, you know, things that we cultivated way back in the, the rock days with Les. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's, you know, a whole ton of uh, things, you know, we do differently, you know, a few little things. But, you know, in, in terms of how we play, you know, I think we would both say that, 
you know, coaches are, uh, you know, coaches uh, stand on the bench and we, we try to look uh, as good as we can. Derek looks a little better than I do, by the way. <laughs> but uh, we try to look as good as we can and, uh, you know, the, the players make, make the plays and, and uh, you know, I, I think once the whistle starts that, you know, the, the, the preparation and, the, you know, the chess match might happen, you know, prior to the game. Once the game starts, it's, it's, it's all about the players and, and, you know, how, how they play and how they perform. And uh, so, yeah, but it's, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of respect for Derek and his staff there and, you know, what they've done. And, and you know, we know that uh, we said, like, you know, they're that's a team that's won championships has, you know, probably been, you know, top two or three team for the last five years in this league. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, we know that, you know, they're going to come ready. And uh, it's I, I said after to some people, you know, they – you know, we uh, they came to the hive. You know, we're going to the hornet's nest now. Like it's it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to take uh, everyone uh, contributing to uh, to have success in that building. So we're you know we're expecting uh, you know uh, a rush team that's you know extremely motivated and, uh, and you know fifteen thousand screaming people is uh, is going to be pretty wild too. Is there you know obviously now where your team is and we talked about the experience of championships in other leagues but now that these guys are one game away do you think there might be a few more nerves before game two starts you know i, I don't i don't think so i think our guys are you know we're a pretty grounded group like it's, it's a pretty loose group and yeah you know we've, we've all been around groups where it's you know dressing rooms are really intense and and uh you know our group's not like that and and i don't you know i don't foresee that changing i think you know, I think our focus has always been on, uh, you know, on on short short games within the game, and not you know not focusing on on the the entirety of of the game itself, but mm-hmm. just focus on the, you know the you know whether it's five minute segments or whatever, like just to say, hey, let's you know let's not worry about the game, let's just worry about what's what's up next, and and I think that you know I think that helps our group, you know, focus on. You know, not not worrying about what the outcome is, but focusing on the process and what we need to do to try to be, you know, to try to be successful. Because it's, you know, it's tough. Like we, you know, it was, you know, no no wins in this league are easy. And uh, you know, we grinded out a win last week. And you know, I thought, you know, our, our final five game was exceptional, but you know, our special teams game was not very good. And, and you know, we, we were lucky lucky to get a win. Given the fact that you know we got you know we got dominated on the special team side of the ball, yeah. so certainly something we got to be better at this week, and, and uh, you know in order for us to have a chance to win on the road. Are you expecting another high-scoring game in Game Two, or do you think both defenses will settle down and, and the goaltenders will shine? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't think. I mean, I probably would say it'd be lower scoring, but <laughs> I kind of thought last game would be lower scoring too, so. You know, I leave I leave the uh, predictions for uh, for others that, uh, uh, that that want to think about that. But uh, you know, I, I think both goalies would say that you know they probably didn't feel they were at their best. And you know, I thought you know Mike Pullen played really well in the in the second half and and made some you know and sometimes it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Made you know three real huge saves that I remember. Two of them when you know the game was still really you know one goal game or a tie game and. Yeah. So those are the type of quality saves that you know you you, you want to get from a veteran goalie. And, but uh, yeah, you know I think I think that you know we haven't we haven't seen them in a long time since January, and, and they haven't seen us. So you know it's 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 you know I, I, there'll be adjustments made, and I yeah I would be surprised if it's that wide open again. Uh, but again, I've, I've been wrong before. So. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, you know you've been around this league for for some time. And- You've been a part of some really great teams and saw some really great players and coached a lot of great, great people. How special would this be with this group, uh, knowing what you guys have accomplished, if you're able to, to seal this this weekend? Well, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of those thoughts you don't, you know, those are thoughts you think about after the fact. So I yeah. don't spend a lot of time thinking about that prior. But, I, you know, I think – you know, the one thing, and, and I mean, Derek would probably say, you know, winning uh, a couple of years ago when they won their first year, I mean, you know, that it's a big thing for your owner, you know. Bruce Urban mm-hmm. invested a lot of money, a lot of effort into, you know, being successful, and, 
and you know winning is something that you know it's, it's a great reward uh, that you want to you know you want to present to your owner and, and you know I think I think our group <laughs> feels the same way in in Georgia you know John Arlotta and his family have invested a lot of you know time and money into this uh and blood and sweat and everything else over the years and you know I think uh you know be, being able to be successful to you know get a championship for John is something I think we all you know, we all would like to do, but you know, mm-hmm. we also know, uh, you know, you can think about it, you can talk about it, but that doesn't make it happen. We got to go do it. So we, we got lots of work to do, and and yeah, we're excited to to get out there and uh, play in a, you know, great great building in front of a great crowd, and uh, yeah, excited to, excited for game two. I think everybody should be excited for game two, and I, I kind of asked this of both coaches: How cool is it to see? you know, the top two teams playing for the Champions Cup. And oftentimes in professional sports, you know, we see one of the higher-ranked teams maybe versus a middle-of-the-road team. Sometimes we get the best versus the best, and sometimes that matchup isn't as good as some of the other matchups. But when you break it down, I don't think you could have asked for a much better final. Just because of the fact that, you know, you have the top two scoring offenses, two of the top defenses, two of the best goaltenders, two incredibly talented, beautiful mind coaches of the game. Like, everything falls into place here. And it's just going to provide for a beautiful symphony of lacrosse. And I hope you're as excited as I am for game two. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be there. However, there will be plenty of people in tow to watch that game. I know Tyson Geick and Mia Gordon from NLL Productions are going to be there. Uh, I'm sure the commissioner, Nick Sakevich, is going to be in the house just in case the Swarm are able to pull it off and sweep the rush in two straight games. And when it comes down to it, I think people have to understand that lacrosse is a business. And as a business, we are growing. We are trying to become the best thing possible, the best entity possible. And when that happens, you have to make sure you're putting your best foot forward. Now, earlier before I played the interviews from from Jammer and Eddie Como, um, we talked about the broadcast down in Georgia. Uh, We talked about some of the errors that Chuck Zeno and Brian Silcott made and some of the things that were said. We didn't, I didn't really get into the comments um, that were made in the pregame that were only heard by people on SaskTel um, when the feed went live and the announcers didn't really know their mics were hot. um, And they kind of were joking around with the Canadian National Anthem. And just on top of everything that happened, As a result, Brian Shanahan and Andy McNamara will have the live NLL TV Twitter call for Game 2. Now, I have talked to a few different sources about this information because it came as a bit of a surprise, not only to us in the media, but to the guys who were supposed to be calling the game in Saskatchewan. I don't know why I said that really weird. In Saskatchewan, Dave Thomas and Casey Guerin. Guerin found out from Andy McNamara's tweet who responded to somebody else's tweet, I can't remember who it was, but saying that he was stoked to be going to the great environment in Saskatoon to call the game. And that's how Casey Guerin found out that he wasn't calling the game. Now, they are still going to do the game um, on uh, Saskatchewan radio, but for all those people who will be watching worldwide on Twitter and NLL TV, you will get Andy McNamara and Brian Shanahan. And because of this, it has created a bit of a firestorm. Now, from some of the people that I have talked to and some of the information I have found out was that there were hopes of getting a neutral broadcast team to call the entire Champions Cup series, all three games. But due to travel, um, lack of preparation, 
and um, the inability to get tickets in time, flights and all that stuff. Um, McNamara and Shanahan were unable to get down there for game one. They were always slated to go to game two. Now, game three hasn't really been talked about yet, but I would imagine that it won't be the Georgia guys. And I can tell you this, um, Nick Zikiewicz wasn't very happy with how things sounded on Sunday. And he is very willing to make some serious changes and ready to make those changes um, because, as he said, either people must get behind it or we've got to do things better. I'm not putting our names on an inferior television product. That's what he said to me. So, um, game two will be broadcasted by Andy McNamara and Brian Shanahan. You can catch it live on NLL TV or live on the Twitter stream. Uh, again, that's where I watched it, and the feed was pretty much flawless. But I feel bad, you know, for for Dave Thomas and Casey Gary because those are two very professional guys, and it would have been awesome for them to get the call that game, especially Dave coming in late, uh, replacing John Fraser. It was going to be his first Champions Cup final. Again, they still get to call that game. But it will be a neutral party on the worldwide NLL TV and Twitter And as I said to to the commissioner when he and I were talking, and I said this earlier in the show, I've often said that as this league continues to grow, we need to have better, more polished, professional people around our league. Whether it's in the front office, whether it's running teams' front offices, whether it's working in the offices of teams, but also the people who are getting the sport out to the millions of eyes that are trying to watch this game. Because if you have broadcasters that don't know the rules or the players' names or are just spewing hot garbage, it doesn't do anything to propel us to where we want to go. And so the commissioner has put his foot down, decided to make a pretty... Major decision, and that decision was to have a neutral party call the rest of these games. Now, again, they're not sure what they're going to do for game three, but they'll decide that next week when they have to make that decision. But again, it was a a piece of news that caught kind of everybody off guard when it came out, and I know it shocked me, and I know there's some pretty upset people um, in Saskatchewan who won't get to... You know, hear their local people call the game on on NLL TV, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles, folks, and it's unfortunate, but the commissioner wants to make sure that he is putting the best product out there, and this is the way he's going about it. Game two of the National Lacrosse League finals goes this Saturday, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific at the Sastel Center in Saskatchewan. If needed, game three Sunday, the 18th, another 5.05 p.m. Eastern start. Before we get us all out of here on a Tuesday, or whenever you happen to be listening to this, uh, let's get you to the latest Subway Lacrosse Talk national rankings, uh, ranking the top seven senior A teams and the top ten junior A teams from across the country. Starting in the senior A loop, the top three teams have yet to change. Six Nations, Victoria, Peterborough, followed by Burnaby, Brooklyn, Maple Ridge, and New West. Maple Ridge sliding from, moving up from 7th to 6th. The Bellies dropping from 4th to 7th. In the junior loop, the Coquitlam Adnacks are 10-1. and one. They remain the number one team in the nation, followed by Six Nations and New Westminster. Mimico comes in 4th. They jumped up from 6th. Langley falls from 4th to 5th. Whitby falls, or falls from 5th to 6th. And the biggest jumper, of the group of the Okotoke Raiders finally getting a little bit of love. They jump from not even ranked all the way up to 7th. They're 9-0 in the Rocky Mountain League, followed by Burlington, Orangeville, and Brampton. 
as I always say, don't shoot the messenger. I don't make these. I just pass them along to all of you. And that will do it. Another episode of the Off the Crossbar podcast is in the books. Don't forget, um, in the meantime, building up to Saturday, there are plenty of Junior A and Senior A games. Um, Get out to your local lacrosse arena and check out some of the action because even though they may not be in the NLL anymore, there's still a ton of players that have already suited back up and playing some senior summer ball, and it is great to watch. Tight atmosphere, lots of fans, great lacrosse. So while we lead up to Saturday, go check out a senior or junior game in your local market. If you want to get a hold of me, super easy, at off the crossbar on Twitter, or email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It's going to be a packed house. If you can get tickets, please do. And if you do go to the games, you know what I always say, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. The more friends you have, the more fun they will have, too. Game two coming up. I am going to go on a limb and say that the Rush win it, forcing a game three all the way down in Georgia. Until next week, enjoy the games, everybody, and be excellent to each other. Life of an outlaw.